Hi, welcome to Jack Theology. My name is Dr. Matt Murphy. I'm with my friend here, Dr. Kevin Young. Back again. Thanks. Good to see you, bro. Good to be here. Good to, to be chatting again. We got a lot of different things we could talk about when it comes to Jack Theology. I think uh, one kind of uh, maybe not Jack Theology, maybe Jack Theology, uh, but Jacked Calendar, church calendar piece that's coming up this this week, uh, within a week, is the whole Halloween celebration, the whole, yeah. is it is it a pagan holiday? Is it a satanic holiday? Is it a Christian holiday? Yeah, well, I, I think the way I grew up, I think you could definitely say that the uh, the theology was jacked <laughs> in, regard to, in regard to Halloween. You know, I grew up independent, fundamental Baptist, and usually they like added words in that, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, you know, truth-speaking Baptist, and it was... Uh, yeah, it was it was it was a no go as far as God was concerned. Yeah, yeah. I, my grandfather was a fundamentalist. That whole deal. My dad can say it really fast. I should ask my dad. Record him saying it. Um, we should bring him on sometime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he. Yeah. So we had Fall Fest, and normally we have the Fall Fest uh, either the same day as Halloween or around Halloween, and uh, it was a church party very similar to. Halloween. Yeah, well, I mean, isn't that the thing, though? You know, we, <laughs> I, I don't know that I know anybody who literally, like, doesn't celebrate Halloween at all. It's just, like, change the name, change what you do, celebrate it, you know, with your church, the fall festival, all of that. But there, <laughs> yeah, and, and we did the same thing, you know, growing up. It was, it was like we would celebrate it, but we'd be able to say that we didn't celebrate it. So it was this weird... <laughs> Like Baptists don't recognize each other in the liquor store, kind of, <laughs> kind of my, thing. I can remember my parents were very subversive with it, so they would let us dress up, and my mom would make our costumes, which is fine, and she would drive to other subversive friends, like all of her friends. We'd be subversive together, and so we'd drive to each other's houses to trick or treat and get candy, um, which I found hilarious. So good on you, mom, for uh, keeping the tradition alive in the Murphy household. Yeah, I got I got to admit for all of my um <laughs> for all of my regrets about growing up the way, you know, that I did in a very fundamentalist situation. My parents too bent the rules as much as is possible, I think in order to to provide normality, which was which was nice. It, it would have been terrible to have not gotten any candy uh on Halloween and and all of your friends are are doing it just Yeah, thanks yeah. mom, thanks dad. <laughs> Um, Thanks for fighting the system. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> They're subversive on something, at least. Uh, yeah, why wouldn't you want to give kid candy? So where did Hall Halloween come from? I mean, the name in it itself should give us clues, right? So Halloween literally like is translated as All, All Hallows' Eve, which is the eve before All Hallows' Day, which we now refer to as All Saints' Day. Uh, so All Saints' Eve and it was a very Christian holiday. I mean, most historians uh, track the early celebrations of this day back to Christians. Um, there's it definitely is an argument to be made that it's, you know, definitely pagans celebrate the holiday. Uh, yeah, I've seen arguments on both sides, you know, and, and academics on both sides. Some of it, you know, it was a Christian holiday that um, had pagan influences. Others will say it was a pagan holiday that Christians took over. I, it's hard to be dogmatic, I think, about what actually happened, but I think it is, it's clear that it has been Christian either from its beginning or Christians have been involved in the holiday for Thousands, thousands of years yeah 2000 yeah. years you, you know it's 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 been it's thoroughly christianized and and at one point was solely you know a, a, a christian holiday which early christians did that i mean they kind of co-opted other celebrations in the communities and and in invested in it their own their own things their own ideologies you know and, and they yeah. continued i guess they did kind of like your nice parents did they continued to celebrate the holiday but they did it in their own way and it yeah. eventually became Christian. Yeah, I, I think that um, this is one of those where uh, where I tend to, you know, yeah, you can't be necessarily dogmatic unless you were there. And 
Um, but I tend to think it had Christian origins because even as you research like the ghosts and goblins, people would be like, oh, that's very pagan and satanic. But Well, no, actually the Christians were the ones who brought that into the holiday. Uh, it was a very, it was a, a thing to welcome the souls of the saints into the holiday that they would be celebrating the following day. And actually they would go to friends' homes, neighbors' homes, and they would sing uh, to celebrate the holiday, to celebrate saints in the in their ghost and goblin outfits. They would call them soul outfits. And they would sing, and then they would get sweet treats. They would get maybe baked goods, a pie, a cookies, and that sort of thing to celebrate uh, the saints. And so even the tradition of trick-or-treating began, and the ghosts and goblins uh, dressing up as a ghost started with Christians. Uh, and so I think... Whatever happened in the you know as it, as the satanic folks got into their feet into the holiday, I think we need to remember that like what we're actually celebrating on this holiday that we're remembering the saints. I mean, now we, our kids, my kids, they dress up as their favorite characters, kind of still symbolic of like their favorite saints, right? Like it's almost as if it's a nod back to the origins of the holiday where we would we would celebrate uh, those saints that came before us. Now our kids celebrate their favorite Disney characters. Uh, you know, maybe not as Christian as it once was, but I, I think we need to not forget that. And then also remember the other holidays that we celebrate in paganism as well. And and I, for whatever reason, we get this uh, this holiday, the Halloween holiday, uh, that has its roots in in All Saints Day to be the pagan holiday, and then Christmas. We put we all put Christmas trees in our living rooms. That is is a is a pagan symbol to the sun god. Yeah, I mean the, the, the symbolism in Christmas probably has more pagan symbolism than Halloween does. To, to yeah. be honest. And yet that's that's uh, and that's one that we we give a pass to. Um, so I, I just um, it seems hypocritical. Uh, and, and like to your point, you made this comment a moment ago, and I wanted to highlight that is like Christians, as they develop their calendar, like I think that's important to understand is, is Christians wanted to develop a calendar where we celebrate and remember the things and tell the story of our faith, to tell the story of Jesus, to tell the story of our, our saints, those that have gone before us. And so the Christians put what they wanted on the holidays, right? The culture was already celebrating these things. So they celebrated those things with the culture. And they put their their symbolism, their their thing upon it. I think Christmas might be the best example because we see um, America's big on Christmas, right? We start selling Christmas items in August. Um, and other religions want to get in on that, right? So Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, like all sorts of other cultures and religions start to celebrate or make those celebrations more important because they want to be part of that season. But they put their meaning on it, which I think is is right and well. So like me celebrating Halloween, I am not putting a pagan emphasis on Halloween. Yeah. I am remembering the saints. I'm, I'm encouraging that in my kids. And I think that's important for Christians to do. Well, and I don't, you know, how different is this than, I, I mean, I kind of blame the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, the Apostle Paul, you know, in Romans is, there's this huge argument about food sacrifice to idols and could Christians eat the meat from sacrifices, you know, to, to pagan gods. And, and Paul essentially says, as long as you're not praying, you know, to that God as you're as long as you're not participating in that, it's it's okay. It's it's meaningless. It's it's meat. And so I think you know Paul kind of sets up this theology where you can take things that one person celebrates or intends for one thing, and you can legitimately use that for another. And to your point, the Christians made a long history of of doing that, continuing to be in the world, not of the world but not out of the world. They found ways to continue to participate in their communities, but to invest and embed their own, their own perspectives on, on those things. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Um, I think we can't, I mean, if you choose to just throw the baby out with the bathwater and you're not going to participate in Halloween, at least be a good neighbor and have candy available to those that do participate. Uh, don't be passing that. The tracks, those little chick tracks. Don't be passing those. Yeah. Don't pass out tracks, just pass out good candy and be a blessing to your neighbors. But also like, don't, 
condemned. I've been condemned. I've had people leave my church because we celebrate Halloween. And I've tried to explain this and they're like, no, uh, that's impossible, right? Because I think some fundamentalists, Bible-believing, whatever, have it ingrained in their head that it's only evil. It's only pagan. Oh, man. Uh, and <laughs> please, please uh, do not put that on us or anyone else who is a Christian that is, is celebrating the holiday. Yeah. And I mean, I, that's what, this is what we do though. So oftentimes as Christians is we take our hurts, habits, and hangups, and we create this mentality that all other Christians have to participate in those hurts, habits, hangups. Like if my hangup is Halloween and the celebration of that, then I will embed that with biblical verses in order to say nobody nobody should participate in this everybody should agree with me and this is this is the bible clearly says this is this is the way we should do this and we should not participate in that well that's that's your personal thing and christians for two thousand years have disagreed with you like step down bro (laughs) (laughs) come on yeah you're not that important you can have that hang up yeah but that's fine you yeah. do you, but you do you. Come on, that's fine. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we've we've said it. I mean, if you're going to be consistent with that, then I don't want to see an Easter bunny on Easter, and I don't want to see a Christmas tree in your house, or lights on your porch, uh, or anything related to other paganism holidays of the past. So let's just uh, let's be consistent. Yeah, and and just don't yeah. don't baptize it as being the, the the Christian way. It's it's so. just not the Christian way. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up. I, I hope people uh, will remember, especially on All Saints Day. I know we do in our faith community here. We will spend some time remembering the saints. Um, I try to honor different saints in my life via social media posts just to, to kind of remember those great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. I think that's an important yeah. rhythm in our church calendar not to forget. Yeah, it is. and you know, I mean, I don't, we're saints like me growing up, uh, anything that smacked of Catholicism was, was, was a no-go. So it didn't matter how biblical it might be or, or how helpful it might be. If, if the Catholics did it, we couldn't do it. And so saints, like just even using that word, was a was a red flag and uh was it was it like that for you growing up i mean would you have been allowed to celebrate all saints day in in your house as a kid no um but it's funny because um no i'm with you like anything that smelled catholic we weren't allowed to do and i think that's why we lost i think some of the meaning behind halloween and, and all saints day because we didn't teach it we didn't talk about it um I think it's important, but, but we did talk about saints. We just didn't call them right, that, right? We, ca- we talked about missionaries. We talked about, you know, our favorite pastors or influences in our life. We did talk about those things, right? We'd bring them in. I remember probably an early saint that maybe I, I most Baptists celebrated, Jim Elliott, right? Who yeah. gave his life to try to reach people in, in Brazil and for Jesus. And so... Um, we would talk about those sorts of people, uh, but yeah, not the Catholic saints or the Episcopal saints of old. Yeah, I was um, on Twitter a little earlier today. I saw somebody post that they had been telling their kids, uh, you know, that, that Catholicism has a lot of problems and praying, you know, to dead people, praying to the saints was, was the thing that they outlined was was the issue. And I, I thought about that and I almost responded and then I just let it go. But uh, the church has been doing that since the very beginning. And I think that the, a lot of Protestants like me, what we think praying to the saints is and what it actually is are, are two very different things. But that aside, I, I mean, the Bible, multiple places in the New Testament refers to saints and uses that word saints. And in fact, you even see in the, in the New Testament, you see that there seems to be a class of Christians who are uplifted as examples to other people being referred to that by that word. So it's not something that's necessarily extra biblical. You, you see 
you see that begin that stratus, stratification begin to kind of happen in scripture where i mean paul says you know follow me as i follow the way paul even sets himself up as an example of someone to look to fast forward after the new testament all of these you know christians begin being martyred and it just sends this ripple effect through the church that just almost uh, almost destroys the movement but has the opposite effect the reason it has the opposite effect on them is because they began to uphold these these martyrs as being um, examples, and they begin. You know, you, even you were talking about Halloween, All Hallows Eve, All Saints Day. All of that is embedded into this idea of celebrating the martyrs, the dead ones who have gone before. They would go. They would go and have meals at at the tombs of, of these martyrs and, and thank God for these folks. And so I think, you know, from the very beginning, the, the church has has had this idea of saints and how you celebrate it, how you think of it, how you define it, I know is kind of up for conversation. But I don't see for Catholics or for Protestants an issue with saints in, in general, at least. Yeah, I, I think the fear has been that we don't deify them, that like there's only one God, which even the Catholics I, would believe that. There might be some weirdness around Mary in that regard, deifying Mary. Uh, but I think, yeah, Paul calls us saints. He calls the church saints to the saints in Galatia, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Philippi. Uh, Paul just regularly referred to the church as a saint. And I think it's important that we understand that, that you are set aside by God as a saint. You are a royal priesthood. Uh, you are a saint. Um, I always joke that say like, well, you might not be a good one, <laughs> but God defines you as that. And yeah, it, I think it's helpful in life. We do this all the time with other things, right? Where we look to people like in sport, right? I always looked when I was a kid, like look to Michael Jordan uh, and try to emulate them. Then the kids that came after me try to emulate Kobe Bryant. And then now they emulate LeBron James and, and the next generation of, of players coming up. We, we do that naturally as humans for other things. Why, you know, do we, are we not able to do that in the church? Um, and so I think it's important that we do that because we want to emulate the Apostle Paul. We want to follow him as he follows Christ. We want to follow others that they, as they follow Christ. And then ourselves, we want to begin to walk in that sainthood that we're called, that is already our, our identity so that we can then say to others, hey, follow me as I follow Christ as well. So, yeah, it's important uh, to the church. And there's a reason why they made it one of their major feasts and holidays, the All Saints Day. Yeah. and. Well, and, you know, as you're talking, I was thinking, Matt, the, why, why did they pray to the saints? Why did they have a day set aside for, for all saints? Um, we, in our 2,000 years later, Western mindset, see this hard line between life and death. You know, whenever you die, you're gone, you're buried, uh, you are somewhere else you're not here and there's this this like chasm in our mindset our mentality between life and death in the ancient world in the new testament world that was not that was not that was not there you know there were there was really little to no separation between life and death and so they would continue to have conversations with people who were dead just as though they were alive they they did not think of them as being gone and far away and the only the only person that they could communicate with was jesus you know they just did not their theology was not centered on jesus being the only one whom you could have a, a conversation with through the spirit in the afterlife for them all of christianity all of these saints were as near and as close and as able to converse back and forth with them as 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 jesus was and so uh it's hard for us to to see that and to think about that but when you recognize that 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 the wall between life and the afterlife was a sheer veil rather than a, a brick concrete wall you begin to 
you begin to be able to rethink this idea of saints and All Saints Day and, and what it means to, to have a relationship and to edify and, and to uplift the saints. Yeah, I think you hit on something, I think, important. I think the transfiguration in some sense shows us that the resurrection of Jesus, his appearances show us that, that there is this state. And I think N.T. Wright, N.T. Wright talks about it, I think, most uh, clearly, in my opinion, where there's a, it's like heaven and earth, like cross each other. I, when I teach it, I, I, I try to show hula hoops, right? So there's like, I can use my hands. There's like heaven here and there's earth and they and they're kind of cross over each other and there and there's a moments in time when when we get glimpses of heaven coming to earth um and i think that's what the church was trying to show us through like all saints day through feasts for saints throughout the year that those days and those moments are when that like heaven meets earth with this person and this this saint um that we get to see them we we, we can talk to them we can pray to them um yeah it, it's 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 like a like i like that the veil um, well the orthodox church still has this too you know if you've ever been in an orthodox church or see it they have these you know icons these paintings of saints all over all over the walls you know it's just saints and icons and and paintings everywhere and and the reason for that is is because they feel like that that worship space the veil between heaven and earth is so thin there that they call it thin space and those icons are actually they consider them theologically windows and so it, it's not a wall or a veil but it's a window in that worship space between them and between the great cloud of witnesses, you know, as, uh, as Hebrews writes it. And so it's just the theology is, is fascinating and, and beautiful and very different than this Protestant Baptist boy you yeah. know, was raised. I mean, we were raised on the very linear, you know, thought process. Like, well, they lived back then and we live now. And then when we're dead, it, it, it's just kind of a linear. And I, I think what we have to get past is that like God's not bound by time or space and that he wants to bring heaven to earth and he's in the process of bringing heaven to earth through his church. So why wouldn't heaven already be on earth in, in some sense that we get to experience through these windows, through these open veils? Um yeah, I don't. I don't see how it's linear. Uh, at the more you you kind of read ancient texts, the more you you read the Bible uh, in its setting and what Jesus was talking about, um, and how even Jesus, I think, appeared to his disciples. I think is very revealing as well on what that looks like. Um, you know, it also says in Scripture that we've entertained angels and we've been unaware of that. Like, uh, you know, heaven comes to earth. It, and I think we've, we've got to open our eyes to that reality, uh, to that understanding. So it's important. Yeah, and, and I, liked, I liked what you said about having saints today as well. You know, that, that we do. We have saints. We have people that we look up to, examples. And uh, I think that's healthy. You know, for my kids, there are, <laughs> there are people in our family who are cautionary tales. You know, there are people in our family whose stories are told to my kids as a don't do this, <laughs> don't live this way. Uh, but there are also people in our history, in my family, that I tell the stories to my kids as an example so that they will be able to, if they can't look to me or they can't look to mom as an example of someone to follow, that they will have other people who they know that they are descended from, that they can look to as a, um, as a saint of faith to, to model and to emulate. And that's that's exactly what the early Christians, you know, were doing. Um, people in their family, their spiritual family, who they looked to uh, as an example to to emulate. And Santa Claus. You talked about Christmas. Yeah. I mean, old Saint Nick <laughs> is a bishop, is a pastor, was a real person who uh, did incredible things and who the church said this is a figure that we want to continue to celebrate and to honor as a saint santa saint santa saint saint nicholas saint nicholas he's a big reason we have uh, christmas gifts on christmas because uh, he loved to go around and give children gifts so uh, yeah uh I, I love how the church honored saints like that and even valentine's day uh, similar 
Um, I know what you read. Yeah, if you want some good reading, right, go go look up St. Valentine and uh, why we celebrate Valentine's Day the way that we do. Uh, he, and, uh, he, it, it's a great Halloween story <laughs> 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 on Valentine's Day. He's pretty badass. Yeah, uh, well, well, so is Santa Claus. Santa Claus punched out, what, was it Ariad Santa Claus punched out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what, what yeah. was it, the Council of Nicaea? It wasn't Calcinon, I think it was Nicaea. I mean, St. Nicholas got into a fisticuffs with, uh, with someone over, over theology. So, you know, he knows if you've yeah. been bad or good, so be good for goodness <laughs> sake. <laughs> 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 They didn't mess around back then. <laughs> Santa was a badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't mess around, man. No. So. Yeah. They took their gift giving and their theology pretty seriously. I think, uh, yeah. And we do this intuitively, like. You know, being a pastor over the years, <clears throat> done a lot of funerals, and it's like uh, everybody wants to, especially if the deceased is very meaningful to them in their lives, they want to honor them, they want to continue their memory and their legacy, and so we we intuit this, and so why not like do that with the saints of the faith, um, and 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 remember them and and celebrate them, and yeah, I. And there's a lot of good stories out there too that we miss uh, that could be relevant for our lives as we live today. If you remember the saints, you get in that rhythm of remembering the saints. I think that's important. Um, a few years ago, I did a. I wanted to find a a saint from kind of every area era of the church that meant something to me. And I learned that like many of the early church fathers were were not white. This might be, you know a shock to some folks and i found that really really cool like i didn't know that um you know my upbringing i assumed every saint was white (laughs) so uh to learn that there is people of color that are honored by the church i was very meaningful to me and i know would be meaningful to other folks of color who maybe don't have someone to look to that looks like them you know is in and so i think that's important as well as you can find uh, connections like that throughout history of, of saints that are being honored. Yeah. yeah some, I mean, some of the, you're right, the greatest theologies and some of the greatest leaders of the church came out of, came out of, came out of Africa. Africa was uh, probably by far the academic center of Christendom for, for a long time, for, for centuries centuries I, I mean you know Alexandria the great library of Alexandria was was in Africa uh, and so Africa was was really central to Christianity and so many as you say of our of our saints and, and historical figures um, were black we're, we're, we're African and African you know black Middle Eastern um, not white <laughs> Um. I think that's important as well to highlight. Um, yeah, so Saints Day, All Saints Day, also the the Great Reformation. Uh, you know, remembering that this week is also part of the the weekend. Which I, I as I was thinking about it, I, I don't think that uh, I think it, Martin Luther was intentional. <laughs> On some of that, uh, oh, you think you so? Know? The timing, I mean, because what well, it was what October thirty first, right? Whenever yeah. he nailed those ninety five uh-huh. the door at yeah, you know, it, it was a church celebration. People were traveling to churches to celebrate All Saints Day. Like it was a perfect day to do it, where a lot of eyes could be on his uh, his statements and his his paper and and hear what he had to say. So yeah, I think uh, you know, in some sense, it was intentional of the timing. Um, but the, you know, the church should always be reforming. I think, uh, I, I posted this week on Twitter, like, and, and I've been thinking a lot about like all the discussions on Twitter and, and, and you and I were talking about this article this week and it seems like there's a group of folks, you know, that we've talked a lot about Christian nationalism. And I think at the heart of that is people just want to like go back 
they want to like return to some fundamentalism and it seems like the church is is picking like you know fundamentalism or like growing and moving on and more progressive and yeah i mean what there's this idea that you know what when he nailed those 95 theses to the door that the reformation the protestant you know reformation was was kind of it 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 corrected all of the wrongs that had come before and the way to stay right or to stay perfect is to stay uh, what 1500 1600 ad yeah but martin luther was would be considered progressive in that era right like he he was progressing the faith and well it says in the bible that the the scriptures the word of god is living and active is so it like my question to those folks is it really living and active or did it stop yeah did it stop with john calvin and martin luther in the reformation uh and it, it seems like a lot of folks think it stopped then and you know and we want to get back to the pinnacle that. of perfection we yeah. got it right then and and don't change it and it, i i just think the church is always reforming the church is always adapting christ's word into the, a new culture a new age a new way of of, of life and i mean they're doing still, the same i mean aren't they though they're doing the same things though that they blame the catholics for doing you know, I mean, the Reformation, yeah. you know, the Catholics, you know, are like, you can't change it. It is the way that it is. This is the way that it's always been. We've got it perfect. And the Protestants, Reformation was all about no, no, you don't. And so now the the Protestants are doing that with the Reformation, saying, no, you can't change it. We got it perfect then. Uh, there there yeah. can be no progression. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's history is repeating itself. And I think yeah it's only getting worse like i I don't know how i don't know how to to even engage those folks um because i think we're we're we're, we have no common authority right yeah we we all look to scripture but i think we all read scripture so differently that like it if both both sides are are using the appeal to authority and if both sides are are using the same text just different places in the text who you're right who determines who determines what happens when the bible clearly says both things yeah. <laughs> depending yeah. on de- depending on how you read it yeah uh, so the yeah, only the it, only the only thing you can do is yell repent heretic <laughs> <laughs> which is what happens you have both sides yeah. yelling at each other repent yeah. heretic yeah. Yeah. um yeah you, what do you do, Matt, when there's no common basis for for authority? Um, yeah, I, the future I looks don't. bleak. The future looks a little bleak, right? I, you would hope people would unify around Jesus, but even we look at Jesus differently. Um, yeah, know. some people see the Jesus calling people to repentance, and some people see the Jesus who calls people to to love and hospitality. Yeah, it, it's, you know, we uh, we read this article. I mean, you read it before me. And somebody just had clued me in on it. Yeah, let's, it, uh, let's make sure to put a link to yeah, we'll uh, put a the link. comments on that because it's a pretty great article that you, yeah, that you sent around. And it's, uh, they're Christian sociologists, actually reformed. Um, I think one of the guys is a Acts 29 pastor, so even neo-reformed too. So they're pretty straight-laced. Yeah, but... I thought it was, I mean, it's a very helpful article. They were very, they weren't partisan or biased theologically. They were just, they're sociologists, really. They're just for the church. And they were saying that there's, the the day and age that we're in, uh, you know, there's one of six places you'll find yourself as a Christian. And number one would be like hardcore fundamentalists and even so fundamentalists that you, don't even go to church or practice Christianity. You're just, you're, you're like hardcore Republican partisan. And then there's the six, which would be your, what was it? Atheist. Right. And then I think five was agnostic. You're, you're not in the church anymore. Um, yeah. So it's what it's degrees of what what, biblical authority, I guess, how you, how authoritative it is or, or how tied you are to the church. Yeah. Or the type of church you see, um, you know, and, and, and he said that, you know, previously before like Donald Trump, um, it, 
we had a lot of people in the middle. He said there was a lot of like twos and threes who could kind of bridge the gap between the fundamentalist and and the you know decon- those who yeah, are the evangelicals, the people who yeah. essentially. Yeah. Who, who may have some sort of faith, but have essentially walked away from any institutional, yeah, organizational. Um, so those were fours. So basically, he was saying one to four are still they still follow Jesus, and you know, and they still love Jesus, you know, and, and the scriptures. But they're on varying levels of, of the church of church life, um, and so there used to be a lot more twos and threes who still attended church were involved just had different views on scripture, but like we're able to bridge the gap and, and hold churches together. But now people are being pushed more to the extremes um, in less and less twos and threes, which I find for even for myself, as I was like thinking about even my own life, I think it's true. Like I was probably like a 2.5 pre COVID pre Donald Trump. And now I find myself more a 3.5 to like a four. Um, yeah, I'm strongly, I'm strongly a four or 4.5. Yeah. Uh, I can out myself, but it's it's safe to out myself because. Well, yeah. I'm still part of the institutional church, and it's funny because I still have kind of a foot in my evangelical stuff, you know, and leadership. Um, so I'm definitely like in that three and a half, you yeah. know. Well, you know, and evangelical used to be it used to be a big tent. You know, it, it, it allowed a lot of diversity. In, in thought, it allowed a lot of diversity in practice. Uh, it allowed a lot of diversity, I think, in level of, of maturity, you know, whether or not you were strongly Christian or, or whether or not you were non-Christian. Well, and now, it, it, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, they talked about that, how in the 1940s, they, this was happening uh, around World War II with the fascism in, in Germany and Christian nationalism. And they pointed out that the similarities, which is fascinating. But then they said evangelicalism began because they said all these extreme factions were happening. Let's just center on Jesus and in the gospel. And so they had their four tenets of, you know, of Jesus Christ being our savior for salvation and, and our role in, in seeing others profess faith in Jesus and, and the authority of scripture. And then um, I think it was, I forget the fourth one, but they, they unified around that and then the secondary issues that we you know seem to get in fights over uh became secondary and that basically their article was like if we're going to fix this we've got to come back to that and have winsome uh discussions and find ways in which we can unify again um i just don't see it happening Um, I, i don't i don't i don't see it happening under the umbrella or the auspices of evangelicalism if i'm wrong that's that's fine but, you know, I, I think you've got the ones who are strongly fundamentalist evangelical all the way to the sixes that are that are gone. Uh, sixes are saying, I don't ever want to be evangelical again. Evangelicalism has moved so far right, not just theologically now, but also like politically and you know the, the embedding of Christian nationalism and, and all of those things that, that people who are fours and fives are now saying, this isn't even I don't want any part of this either because this isn't this isn't this isn't the evangelicalism that that I knew and it's getting worse uh, and so you, I think that tent is is shrinking until you know the the ones in evangelicalism are saying well the threes they're not evangelical and now I think we're at a point where they're saying well the twos they're they're not with us and so you know it's going the way that fundamentalism and fundamentalists went in the early 1900s, you know, where it's going to be this small group of self-righteous people who are um, tied in together theologically, but who are crazy in, in so many other ways. The, the difference here is the Christian nationalism. The difference here, I think, is is the, uh, the way that it has embedded itself in politics. And if you are Republican, then you are a vis-a-vis by default a one or a two uh, on the evangelicalism scale and that i think is it's gonna it's it's gonna be interesting i don't know that we've seen this before and i don't know what the outcome is there maybe maybe you know tell me 
What's going to happen, Matt? Uh, what? Look, look, in your, look at your crystal ball there in your, in your pastor's office and tell us, tell, tell us what the future holds. Uh, well, I think that we're going to have a lot of division before there is unity. Uh, you know, I think the fact that we can't even have a we, – we can't even find that thing that, like, will unify us, that, like, we can have a discussion around, a winsome discussion around, I think is problematic. Or, like, I had a discussion I thought was winsome with William Wolf, who's on the interwebs. I, I felt like he wasn't attacking me. We were having a discussion back and forth about um, what Jesus called us to do. And he said, well, Jesus never talked about government issues, so we can't look to Jesus for that. And it's like, oh, so now we're, we're throwing out even like Jesus and what he's called us to do. And this is some other philosophy and, and logical thing that we're coming up with. So like, uh, you know, the, the foundation is shifting. And until we have like that foundation to have a winsome and, and healthy and charitable discussion, it, it's, it's hard. Um, I think the hope that I have is I, I think there are still some groups in evangelicalism that have like that center, that, that foundation that I think we can have a, a good discussion and healthy discussion around, but it's becoming less and less. Um, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. You know, as you were talking about and, and that, I just, power we continue to come back to this every time you and i talk about about this idea of power and the desire for power and christianity at its core subverts power and so you know this desire to use jesus and paul in the bible to gain power or control in any sphere especially the political sphere the government sphere is um, is the antithesis of Christianity. Uh, no matter what you use your power for, it is still, um, it subverts the true gospel and the true gospel subverts power. Yeah, that was what Jesus was about. I, I don't know why you would say that you can't look to Jesus. Well, I think he says that because when you look to Jesus, it doesn't line up with his preferred philosophy of politics in the world. And, you know, Jesus called us to give up, to sacrifice, to lay down arms. You know, the disciples thought Jesus was going to be a political ruler. They thought they were marching into Jerusalem to become this different kind of rule in the world, which they were. But That's the whole reason Judas betrayed him, because Judas was yeah. mad at hell that he was, the, because yeah. he wasn't going to, he, he wasn't going to actually take over uh, the, the, the governmental system. Peter drew the sword and chopped the ear off. Like he was ready to go to battle like this. And Jesus says, no. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I, yeah, but we can't have that discussion because they, they look at that all differently. And, um, well, I, you know, we can't have the discussion, Matt, because they know the truth. They know, they know what the truth is. William, I, William is a smart guy. He knows exactly what Christianity teaches. He is counting on nobody else knowing the truth and him being able to convince them that, and maybe convince himself that power, power is the way, that government is the way to make all of these things come true. Well, uh, they've said it. They, I mean, they say it a lot. The end justifies the means. So they don't care that Donald Trump is an idiot anything but a Christian. They don't, they don't care if they have to bulldoze people over and do unchristian things. I mean, they've, they've said it. Um, the ends justify the means, which, but then what is the ends? Like, uh, you know, their version of Christianity, I, I don't think is in the Bible. So it's like, what, what is your true end here? I, I, I think, think I, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I don't want to put down Islam. Uh, or Muslim people. But at this point, I'm to the point of saying to Christians who are a fan of Christian nationalism or, or William Wolfe or of legislating morality, look to the Middle East and Islam and what happens whenever extremists, extremists just in Christianity are extremists, are, are not the whole story of everybody in Christianity. They, they don't speak for you and I. Same thing happens in Islam. But look to a place where the extremists in the Middle East, such as Iran and Jordan, 
uh, in, in Saudi Arabia and these areas w- where these extreme laws of religious Islam are in place and are mandated. This is what it's going to be in America if, if we continue down this path. And we say, oh, well, abortion, <laughs> you know, women, uh, you know, we don't want the leftists to be in control. Do you realize what happens whenever a religion is mandated through the law of a government and of a country? Say, well, it's going to be our religion. Well, go talk to Muslim people. Yeah. Talk to the ones, talk to the ones who have moved away and why they moved away. And they're still practicing their faith. Yeah, but but yeah. not not in a country where the law is mandated. Yeah. Uh, to me, to me, this is the, the, I, I, there has to be a better way. But for, for right now, it's the only way that I can think of to describe it to well-meaning Christians is what you're asking for. You don't want. You you don't you don't want the government to be waging war with the morality of Christianity. Um, do you think you want that? Yeah. I mean, where does it stop? Right. I think you bring up a good point because it clearly doesn't stop. It starts with, they want, I mean, they do. They, I've seen it this week. They want homosexuals to go to prison. They want homosexuals to go to prison. They want, um, they want all people who are transitioning, even who were born with multiple you know, genitalia for that to be stopped. They want, uh, this week, Matt, the talking point in Christian nationalism among these religious people are the 19th Amendment should never have been put in place. Women should not be allowed to vote. Yeah. They're they saying to, this out loud. That women should not be allowed to vote. And they're using the Bible in order to support that. So where you, you may be a pro-life person who says it's great if the Bible mandates this and if we have Christian people who believe Christian laws should be in place. But you're right. Where does it stop? And I'll tell you where it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop before women don't have the right to vote. It doesn't stop before people of other ethnicities don't have the right to vote or back to being three-fifths of a person. It doesn't stop until we are a white male nation in all ways, shapes, and forms. And you think I'm going over the top? Read the books that they're printing right now. Read their own words. Yeah, read their words. I mean, they they put it out there on social media for all the world to see. And and who's eating it up? The white men. Yeah. It... But one day, it, it won't stop because one day their immorality will be punished like the rest of them. And that's what, that's what happens in these countries that, that do this is it just, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. Um, so, I mean, one lady, they think an athlete, a rock climber, uh, because she w- wouldn't wear her hair, head covering or she forgot to put her head covering on in, in the event, they like – they think they, the government killed her. <laughs> they haven't heard from her in, in months uh, because she didn't wear her head covering. Like, really, guys? That's what you want? Because uh, that's, where, that's where it heads uh, quickly. So it's scary. It's scary. But with how we talk, if it happens, you and I won't be there to see I, it. I, I, I <laughs> We, we will be. Hey, I already had a guy this week threaten me online. I'm going to yeah. drive. I'm going to yeah. drive to your ch- publicly on Twitter. I'm going to drive yeah. to your church and expose you for who you are. Well, the, the first of all, good Iowa. luck with finding good luck with finding my church uh, <laughs> when you when you drive to it. Uh, second of all, really, because because you because you disagree with me on um, the finer points of the uh, LGBTQ community, um, I am a heretic deserving to be exposed, and I I have no doubt in my mind that this guy and others like him would. You're right. I would. Um, I'm I'm a target. Yeah. And maybe so are you. I mean, we all will be under this because we're not going to shut up or not try to do something. Yeah. So, um, how's the fitness, man? 
Things are going well, actually. It's been it's been a good good few weeks. I've been hitting rhythm, hitting stride. You know, I I go through these rhythms. You know, I, I wouldn't call it like balking and and then cutting, but um, I I do try to watch myself before the holidays so that by the time the holidays get here, things don't get out of hand. It's good. What about you, man? Uh, this has been a good week. Uh, this has been I've been. I was down for the count earlier in the week for like, I had a little sickness, but um, it was like a 24 hour thing, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and, uh, but I feel good that eating, eating right, uh, exercising well, feeling like my, uh, my CrossFit legs are getting back under me, which is fun. So what I know I should be doing in my mind is actually like happening at least getting closer to that. So, so feels good. Nobody's nobody's taken us up yet, have they on our on our challenge? Uh, no. None of these none exactly. of these Uber none of these Uber masculine uh you got blocked. Who, who refer to the <laughs> effeminate church. You got blocked? That's oh. not that's not very that's not very manly of them to block you, is it? They blocked me, man. They, yeah, Brian Harvey say his last name, Suave. Um, blocked me on both of my accounts. Both of your accounts, huh? Our Jack Theology and uh, my personal account. So huh. I don't. I, th- I think he's not going to take me up on it. Doesn't 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 want to doesn't want to step up to the challenge, huh? It's pretty wise of him. <laughs> I I think we could take him, but you never know those those, <laughs> those those small wiry guys sometimes. Uh yeah. Not, not those guys. And no. what are they? What are they thinking? Calling other people effeminate because, because why? I just. They don't. Well, I mean, we we hit on it with the Christian nationalism stuff. Like, the the word "woman" has become a curse word. So yeah, it's a pejorative, right? Whatever you're using, women yeah. as the punchline. Yeah. You're yeah. you're telling what you think of women. Yep, they don't respect women at all. So much so to call other men women and think that that's. Well, women are just there to take care of their kids and give them food and make sure their slippers are warm. That's how they, that's what they think of women, and obviously give them sex when they want it. But it's too bad. It, it, it is, and I, I hope that uh, I hope that women will judiciously practice their right to vote while while they still have it. 